0: Keep that in mind because we're going to be asking you every week. Um, seriously, it, it can be so easy for us to sit there going, "Wow, I had this, I had either this really difficult thing or I had this really amazing thing, and I never got it before, but but everyone else is smarter than I am, and so they will have it, it'll be silly to them." If it meant something to you, I guarantee you, it'll mean something to someone here. Um, Eric.
1: said to him, I called him over in the false head. I called you back to come back and to say hello. He bounded back as much as he could. And he just talked to us about what was going on, what I've just told you now about things. Anyhow, he just left
0: Isn't that so true that it often goes, the, the hard times are the times when our faith grows the most. When you're going through the hard time, you, you feel like your faith sometimes goes to zero. But it's almost like God resets it and then it gets stronger. Maybe to other people, have any, has anyone else experienced that? understanding And that actually fits in really well with where we're going to take the sermon today. Uh, Before we go to 1 John, though, do you remember there's a story that Jesus told about a poor bloke? He's on the road one day. He's going uh, to a town, and on the way, he gets mugged. He gets bashed up. He gets beaten up. And it's fortunate because it's a nice busy road, and there's lots of traffic on there. And a priest walks past, and this guy is half. One eye closed, the other one half open. And he sees the priest and goes, ah, oh, a person of God. And the priest sees him and goes, Oh. Walks on the other side of the road. And he goes, ah, oh, no, maybe he had to do something important. Oh. This probably curses him a little bit. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us. I so know I would probably have been a bit miffed. <laughs> but a little while later, there's a temple assistant. Another good person of God? He goes, ah, oh, temple assistant. Oh, he's going to help. Walks on the other side of the road. Turns out that story, the one who helps, is a despised Samaritan. Uh, if you put the story today, it would be a Jewish person, and the person who helped him was a Palestinian. Oh, What a story that was of Jesus. But it makes one think about us as the people of God, us as Christians. The Bible says that that as Christians we are called to be different from the world. That we are called to love each other. In fact, the Bible says we're called to do more than just love each. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to love even our enemies. Anyone else? Hands up to failure? (laughs) What does it take? It's hard. What does it take for us to be holy like that? What does it take for us to be kind and gracious and forgiving and loving in more than just, oh, I really love you, brother, or, oh, God bless you and, and get better soon, or, oh, I know you're going through a tough time, and then walk home. What does it take to actually love one another? Jesus was asked one time what the greatest commandment of God is, and, and And what he said inspires our church slogan, which is loving God, loving people. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, basically with all of you, love God. And then Jesus said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in today's passage, 1 John chapter 4, it seems that John is taking these two things and and showing us that, that loving others flows out of loving God, which in turn flows out of God loving us. Um, let's just clarify here what we're talking about, because um, love is one of those strange words. We are talking about uh, Christian love, we're talking about loving God and loving those who are God's. That's an apostrophe S, not lowercase g. Loving those who belong to God. And if you've uh, been following along in our series so far, we're almost through the book of John, if you can believe that. Um, One of the focuses in John's letter is on how as Christians we are in fellowship with God, how we are united with God, this most intimate of bonds. The word there, it means partnership But it also uh, refers to, in classical Greek at least, it refers to a, a marriage relationship. This is the closest of connections possible. And God says all the time, and especially here through the letter of John, He says, if you are a Christian, you have this bond with God. And John's other concern is, well, how do we know that we have this bond with God? And you're probably sitting there going, what's love got to do with that? Probably with a slightly better tune in your head as well. Have I changed subject? We've gone from love, love, love to fellowship with God. Well, no, we haven't changed subjects at all, actually. Um, Love has got everything to do with that. Because God is the source of love, and, and the more we love, the more we we are getting to know God and his character and even as i as I thought about that, I thought, well well, Nick, that sounds weird. How can my loving other Christians help me to know God better well, i think it 's because what John says here in the first few verses is that my love comes from God. I love others as a result of God's love. The, the origin of my love is not within myself, but within God. And when I love others, when I love you, I'm doing it in imitation of God, who defines love. In, in a sense, I love because God loves me. I almost want to say that the more we know God, and we've said this a few weeks ago, the more we know God, the more we love Him, and the more we love like Him. Loving is the fruit of knowing God. In fact, John says there that those who who don't love have never known God. They do not know God, the, the tense there. English doesn't come through, but the tense is past tense completed. It means they have never known God. We tend to think of love as a feeling, as an emotion, as something that can change. And, and, and perhaps that explains why our society is so rife with divorce and us smug Christians, before we get too smug, same in the church. We, we co-opt our society's definition of love, but, but John wants to to show us, as as I've said, a deeper definition of love. Says John in verse eight over here, he says, Anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. If we want to describe the nature of God, if we want to describe the character of God, God is love. Everything God does is loving. But but more than that, everything God is describes, and and more than describes, it actually defines love. God defines love. Love does not define God. In fact, even before creation, God has always been defined by, well, God way i just said what i didn't want to say even before creation god has always described love remember god is the triune god the father the son and the spirit and for all eternity the father has loved the son and the son has loved the father and the spirit has been the bond of love between the two and they've all there's this this love is there love describes god even within himself His very nature is to love. And if God is love, if God defines love, then if we want to know what real love and the kind of love that John is talking about, if we want to know what this love looks like, it's kind of obvious what you do. If you want to know what a word means, you go to the dictionary because the dictionary is where words are defined. If you want to know what love is, you go to God because God defines love. God is love. God's love is visible throughout his interaction with people. God created because he loves, God rescues because he loves. He rescued his people from Egypt because he loves. But if you want to see most clearly how much God loves us, and John makes this so clear for us, you look to Jesus. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Now some people have got this idea of Jesus is the nice God and, and God the Father is the angry God. But, you know, it was love That motivated God to send Jesus to rescue you and me and give us life through him. Love caused God to sacrifice so much that you and I might be with him. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, Paul says that it was for love that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Um, The for love is my bit. But Paul says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Why Because he loves us. Real love starts with God. His love rescued me and brought me into a relationship with him. And when I love others, my love is just a reflection and a reaction to God's love in loving me. Apart from God's love, we are hopeless in this world. We have no future, we have no mercy, we have no forgiveness, we have no life. Only because God loved us enough to send Jesus can our sins be removed and their penalty paid. Only there can eternal life be ours. Only those who have been rescued by God can begin to glimpse how big a love God has for us. And it's that sort of love that John is writing about when he says, brothers and sisters, let us continue to love one another. It's a love which, which gives itself in tangible ways to rescue and redeem and help those who are helpless. Who's in favor of loving one another? Why? Why should we? It's a commandment. You know, so many of us, that that is our first reaction. And it is a commandment. But, But our first reaction is, it's a duty we have to do. And then we take it a step further and we say, it's a duty we have to do. So that God will continue to bless us and favour us. We don't say that, but often that's how we live it.
1: do because you know He wants
0: Yeah. Yes, but but what's the motivation? The The more you do it, the more you learn to love things. The more you do it, it's a wonderful feedback loop. That's exactly right. to please yourself. But you see, I, I want to I push back a little bit and, and hear what I'm saying here. If we're doing it to make God happy with us, and that is our prime motivation, you result in feeling horrible because you're afraid that God will realize how badly you love others. And you see, I don't think John... And I don't think God calls us to love one another by threatening us with fear of punishment. Not at all. God calls us to love because God has already loved us. He has already blessed us. He has already given us his favor. Our obligation to love one another is a byproduct of God's loving generosity towards us. It's certainly not something we can do on our own. We can only love in light of God loving us. If Jesus is in your heart, you must love other people. And that's true, but I'm so good at ignoring that. No. No. And even less stalkers. If Jesus is in your heart, but if, if, if our motivation is to, God has to be loved. I have to love others because God says so, and God wants me to do that, and God's going to be upset if I don't. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. And, and you're, you're exactly right with what you said there, Susan. Just like Can't curse people. Exactly. Oh, shush up now. You're getting ahead of my sermon. <laughs> Graham. That's fantastic, Susan. We're told also to love our enemies. Now, I don't think that means we necessarily
1: advance, it means we will do
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and that even goes a step further than what John's talking about. John just is saying, let's start with the basics. Let's talk about loving one another. And you know the amazing thing what John says here? Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate this. And I love the fact that you're way ahead of me. That's brilliant. I really like that. But you see, what John says here is when we love one another, something of the invisible God is made visible through us. God's love is expressed in us. His love is seen through our love for one another. Since God is love when we love one another, we are seeing the character of God because God is love. Love that is inspired by God makes God and God's love a tangible reality to each other and to the world. Jesus said... uh, Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Do people look at us and go, wow, they love each other in a way that just, why would they do that? That Nick's a horrible dude and yet they like him and they love him and they, and they help him. And why? why would they do that? As we love one another, says John, God lives in us and we live in him. We have the closest of relationships with God here and now. His love makes us inseparable from himself. How do you know? How do you know that you live in God and God lives in you? John's got two answers in there. I think they're linked. He says, first off, we know because God has given us his Holy Spirit. God lives in us by his Spirit. The Bible says when you put your trust in Jesus, you receive the Spirit. And there are moments. I'm not going to pretend that everybody, every Christian, every single moment has 100% knowledge of, Uh, And uh, like experience of God's overwhelming presence. But there are moments when you just know. I wish there were more. (laughs) But there are moments when you just know. you know because the spirit is in you. Because God is love. Wherever God's spirit is active, the evidence is seen in love. Our loving one another the way God loves us, at cost, at at expense, at putting others first. When we love each other that way, it is, I want to suggest, an evidence that the Spirit of God is in us. Especially if we're loving someone when you wouldn't think of loving them otherwise. Mark irritates me so much And he's got a kidney stone, so I'm going to take him a glass of water. And I don't want to take him a glass of water, but I think I have to. And I want to. And it's confusing. That's an evidence of I don't have water. (laughs) A little bit of spit. Our loving one another is a sign of God's Spirit. Now John and the other apostles were witnesses to God's great love in sending Jesus to be our Savior. And they bear witness that all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. You see what, what John has done there is repeated that phrase again. All who confess Jesus as God's Son have God living in them. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.3 that nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you confess Jesus, you have the Spirit. If you are loving one another, it's a sign that you've got the Spirit. If you confess Jesus, you love one another. God lives in us if we confess Jesus as the Son of God and if we love one another and we live in Him. And this fellowship, this bond is, is indissoluble. However, simply saying, Jesus is Lord, and then not loving one another, all that proves is that you're very good at saying words. In fact, I think it proves that you don't really know God. And doing loving things without knowing Jesus to be God, well, that just makes you a nice person. Christians love each other because God loves us. And we know that because by the Spirit we know Jesus to be God and we know how much God loves us. And so, says John, we put our trust in his love. As we live, and we're we're almost done here, as we live God as Jesus is formed in us our love grows more and more and more to be like God's love and when Jesus returns and remember John has said that that history is running parallel to the end at the moment I I think that's a, a valid analogy to what John is saying and and that history could could turn at any minute and Jesus could come back at any second And when he comes and when we stand before him on the day of judgment, we will not be afraid because if I love others the way that God loves me, the way that Jesus loves others, I will have nothing to fear. I will be able to face Jesus with confidence. I have lived as Jesus in this world. Who will stand there with me? Fully confident. Why not? Exactly. However, there's a problem, isn't there? Our, our love might be growing more and more perfect. Ooh, there's a right. lot of room for improvement. Ooh. Should I then be afraid? Because John says here, When your love is perfect, you can stand before God without fear because you have lived like Jesus. Your life has reflected the character and nature of God. In other words, you are perfect. You are holy. Oh, I love how you guys are getting ahead of me. This is good and that's exactly what I wanted to say we don't have to be afraid that God's going to whack us for not loving enough and there are Christians who, who have been caught up in this love is the antidote of being terrified of God God's scary God's seriously scary when the Israelites, Moses, talked with God, he came out and they were, they were frightened of him. When he came down on Mount Sinai, there was rumbling and crashing and thunder and smoke and fire. And, and the Israelites were terrified. And they said, Moses, you talk to him. We, 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 he's going to kill us. He is still holy. He is perfect. But love is the antidote of being terrified of God. God is not waiting with a big stick saying, love each other. That doesn't work. And sometimes the devil can can perhaps have a little stick going, oh, you walked past without loving there, didn't you? God's not going to be happy with that. And then we beat ourselves up. But remember, this is real love, not that we loved God, as you said, friend, but that God loves us. A truly mature, perfect love recognizes. Matured is a great word there. It's what it means. It recognizes how perfectly God loves us. When our love is mature, we perfectly understand how much God loves us. He is our Father. And no, we'll never reach that perfection until we are made new. But if we are always afraid of what the Father's reaction might be, it shows that we haven't really taken in, internalized, how very much He loves us. We need to realize more and more that God loves us and will never forsake us, and that God, who began the good work within us, will continue His work until it is fully and finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's Philippians 1.6. Perfect love, and God loves us perfectly. But you know, the more we realize how much God loves us, the more we will love God. Our love is perfected by realizing how perfect God's love is. The more we love God, the more by instinct. As you said, Susan, we will show that love by loving our siblings in Christ. The more we realize God's love for us, the more we will echo it back by nature, and the less prone we will be to fear. The more we realize that God just loves us and wants to give us a a hug. It's hard to be terrified of someone with their arms open, isn't it? And yet it's, it's so often... The image of God that we have is not with arms wide open, but with I am holy, I am righteous, I am just, I am perfect, you are not. Fear is the fruit of slavery. Love is the fruit of freedom. And as Jesus himself said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. See, this is how we know how much God loves us, because the Son came to set us free. We love each other because God first loved us. It's easy to say you're a Christian, that you know and love God. But one of the byproducts of loving God is loving each other. And if we don't love the Christians we know and see regularly, Then says, John, we can't be loving God. God's love inspires us to love God's own. And if you're sitting here going, I, 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 that's really hard. How can he say that? How, how can he say that if someone hates a Christian brother or sister, that person's a liar? For if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? I, I don't love people perfectly, Nick. Yeah, join the club. But you know, the answer isn't to go, I'm beating myself up. And the answer isn't, well, I've got, I've got to love people, quickly, quickly, quickly. If you love people because you think that you're not doing it enough, that's, that's the wrong reason. Don't focus on how you can love each other in this place. Don't focus on how you can love each other in this place. Focus on God and how much He loves you. And that will change the way you look at everyone else. It's a byproduct. Who goes and makes a byproduct for the sake of a byproduct? You go for the thing that actually matters. Uh, Vegemite, I believe, is made from yeast extract, um, which is, they don't sit there and go, oh, let's make some yeast extract. Now, Vegemite's a byproduct. They get the yeast extract from the beer industry. If there was no beer industry, we wouldn't have had Vegemite. I don't know if Vegemite equates with a love, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Loving each other is the end link in a chain beginning with God's love as shown on the cross. And Jesus' love reflected in and through us gives evidence that we are in him and he is in us. We aren't saved by loving each other. We are saved because God loves us and we put our trust in him. And the fact that we love others like Jesus is just the byproduct that shows that we are in God and that God is in us. May you have such a vision. May we have such a vision of God's love. May our God not be as small as we have seen him to be. This week, last Wednesday, was the start of Lent, 40 days leading up to Easter. A time where, if you want to do that, you, uh, you focus on, on what God has done. And how much God sacrificed. Why don't you, this week, do that. Focus on how much God has sacrificed. Read through some passages from the Gospels. May you grow in your knowledge of God's love. And may there be lots of byproduct in our midst. Amen.